Good morning. It's good to see you this morning as we worship the Lord together. And we continue going through our series, looking at the first chapters of the book of Genesis. This morning, we're looking at chapter 12, the story of Abraham, Father Abraham, and we see a new beginning. But if you watch the news, you'll come to the conclusion that the world has struggles. What's taking place in Ukraine, crime we see in our nation, a culture that seems to have turned against God, drugs and other addictions, skewed priorities, the list could go on and on. And oftentimes as we look at that, it's very easy to become discouraged and and wonder, where is God? But we can be confident that God is just as active today as He has been throughout history. And as we look at the stories from the beginning of Genesis, the the narratives of, of what was taking place, they had great struggles also. Think about some of the things that that took place in the first 11 chapters. Adam and Eve disobeyed God and were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Cain murdered his brother Abel and then he lied about it. Things got so bad as as the population expanded that God had to wipe out the earth with a flood. After that, the godly man Noah got drunk and exposed himself to his son Ham. We saw last week the people defied God and they built a tower so that God had to confuse their languages and disperse them. Disobedience, murder, deception, drunkenness, rebellion. Some of the same struggles that we face today. But what was God's response? We see as we look at Genesis chapter 12 that God provided a new beginning through a man named Abraham. And with that new beginning, he brought hope that only God can bring. Let's pray and ask for God's blessing. Father, as we come before you, may we recognize that you are almighty God. As we look at your word this morning, may we we realize that you are still active in our world just as much as you have been throughout the course of history. And Lord, let us recognize that you are the way maker, the miracle worker, as we sung about this morning. That you are the one that we can go to, that we can trust, and our hope is placed in you. And Lord, that hope, I pray that you would help each one of us to to live lives of obedience and surrender to you in response to your love for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. A new beginning. Now it's interesting, we see a a pattern throughout these first chapters of Genesis. It seems to go from the one to the many to the one to the many to the one. You think God began with Adam. And then through Adam the earth began to multiply and and it spread. And then we see that as God had to judge the earth with the flood, that it went back down to Noah, back down to the one and his family. And then it began to increase again, and we came last week to the Tower of Babel in chapter 11, back to the many as they decided to to follow their own plan, to seek out their own way. 
And then God chose to work through the one, Abraham. And we see the story of Abraham introduced in Genesis chapter 12. And in the next many chapters of Genesis deal with Abraham's story. But this morning we're going to look at, at chapter 12 and this new beginning with Abraham. Now while Abraham was not perfect, we see that he was a man of faith. And we see that, that Abraham was a man who would step out in faith. And we see that in the first nine verses of Genesis chapter 12. Follow along as I read the first three verses as we're introduced to this man, Abraham. Now, as you read in the earlier parts of his story, it's Abram. God will change his name to Abraham. And with his wife, we know her as Sarah. It, it was first Sarai, and, now, and then God changed it to Sarah. But we see the story of Abraham, or Abram, as he's introduced in these first three verses of Genesis chapter 12. It says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. You, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So we see that God promised Abraham, we call it the Abrahamic covenant, God promised to him that, that God would make of him a great nation. Now there was a little problem. At this time, we'll see that Abraham was 75 years old, his wife was 65 years old, and they had no children. How was God going to make a great nation of his descendants when there were none? Well, God was at work. And we see, as God said, Abram, I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave all that you have, and I want you to head to a place that I will show you. And so we see we have a map here. And the map is showing where he, he was starting in Ur. And right over there you see Ur of the Chaldees. Now, if you're familiar with Baghdad, and there's a little question on where Ur is, but uh, Ur is south and probably west of Baghdad. And uh, so he went all the way up here to Haran, or Haran, and you'll see that, and it talks about that a little bit at the end of chapter 11. And then he comes down to the land of Canaan. We're familiar with it as the land of Israel today. And this was the promised land that God had said that he would give to Abraham. And so we see it was quite a journey for Abraham. But God asked him to leave his home, his family, and to go up to a place that God would show him. God said that he would bless Abraham, and he would bless those who blessed Abraham and curse those who cursed him. Now it's interesting, if you go back to chapter 11 that we looked at last week, you'll see a big difference in the attitude of Abraham in comparison to those people that built the Tower of Babel. If you remember back to chapter 11, they will use the term, let us. 
Remember, it was their plan. They wanted to stay united together. They wanted to make something that people would stop and say, wow, this is incredible. Look what you did. But in chapter 12, it's about God's plan. If, as we read those first three verses in chapter 12, you'll see the term, I will, speaking of God and His promise to Abraham. I will show you, God said, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. God was the one who was in control and Abraham was following God's plan. People of Babel were focused upon their plan and their glory, while Abraham was willing to obey God. He was 75 years old. He was well established in this area of Ur, but he left it all to follow God. Think about it. What would we do? What would I do? You know, God, I I think, you know, I'm pretty established here. I'm getting on in years. I think I'm happy where I'm at. But thanks for checking in, God. But what did God do? God said, Abraham, I want you to move. And what was Abraham's response? He left it all to follow God. Notice verses 4 through 6. Genesis chapter 12, so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran, and again he started in Ur, and then he stopped in Haran, and now he's heading down to Canaan. So verse 5, then Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to a place of Shechem as far as the Terebinth tree of Morah, and the Canaanites were then in the land. And so Abraham followed and obeyed God, and then we see in verses 7 through 9 that God gave Abraham another promise. Beginning in verse 7 of chapter 12, it says, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. I want you to notice a little bit about what Abraham was concerned about. And you you look at the comparison between his worship and his living. He dwelt in tents. He was a nomad. But he built an altar He recognized that his relationship with God was the most important thing. And he focused on his faith. And and if you see, Abram had gone from being a, a person who worshipped many gods there in the land of Ur to following the one true God. And he left everything. And as you see, he evidently had a lot that he left. His family evidently did fairly well. But he gave it all up. He left his inheritance of his family 
to follow God. Now, unfortunately, Abraham did not always live out his faith. The next verses show a time when Abraham was faithless. And we could have stopped there at verse 9, and, and we go through and we see ma amazing stories of, of the faith of Abraham in the following chapters, but we also see times where Abraham failed. And we see, beginning in verse 10, the story of a, a very sad failure in the life of Abraham. Beginning in Genesis 12:10, it says this, Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there. For the famine was severe in the land. And it came to pass when he was close to entering Egypt that he said to Sarai his wife, Indeed, I know that you are a woman of beautiful countenance. Therefore it will happen when the Egyptians see you that they will say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Please say you are my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake, and that I may live because of you. What's happening? They, they have a famine there. He would followed God to Canaan and they had a famine. Now you'll notice in those verses that God's not mentioned. And, and we don't know other things that took place, but, but it's very noticeable that the mention of God is left out in Abraham's plans to go to Egypt. And when he gets to Egypt, there's no talk of him building an altar there. And when you see his attitude, you recognize that he allowed worry and fear to control his actions. And he was concerned. He was concerned because he said, we're going to go down there, Sarah, and they're going to see how beautiful you are. And they're going to say, well, let's just get rid of her husband, and then we can have her. And by the way, it was a pretty pagan place, and uh, that definitely was a possibility. And so sure enough, they go down there, and, and we're not going to read through the next narrative and the next verses, but what happens, I'll summarize it. They go down there to Egypt. They're sitting and people begin to notice the beauty of Sarah. And word gets to Pharaoh about this beautiful lady. And everything seems to be going great with Abraham's plan. Because Pharaoh takes notice of Sarah and he wants to please Sarah. And part of his pleasing Sarah is he begins to give things to Abraham. And I'm sure in the back of his mind, Abraham is going, this is great. I mean, I'm getting herds and flocks and, and more things because Pharaoh is trying to impress Sarah. Now, there's something that, that we have a hard time understanding, but you have to remember this is not too long after the flood. We don't know the exact time frame here. But... Sarah was a half-sister to Abraham. Now, a little later on in Scripture, there was the condemnation of marrying close relatives. But, so Abraham was saying, you know, I'm not really telling a lie, I'm just leaving out part of the story. 
And so he just forgot to mention the other part, that she's my wife. But you notice the verses we read, who was Abraham focused on? Abraham. He said, if I say I'm your husband, they're going to kill me and you're still going to live. And I don't want to die. It was all about him. He was concerned about his good fortune, or lack thereof, if they decided to dispose of him to take his wife. And while the first verses of Genesis 12 share Abraham's obedience, we see these verses show fear and worry taking over Abraham's life. Stress management experts say that only 2% of our worrying time is spent on things that might actually be helpful by worrying. And, and they break it out. And again, there's different studies, but I really like this one. I thought this one was pretty interesting. They, they break it out. What is the other 98% filled with? Well, 40% of the things that we were about, worry about never happen. 35% of the times we worry, we worry on things that can't be changed. 15% of the time we worry about things that turn out better than expected. And 8% of the time we worry upon useless or petty things that aren't even worth worrying about. If you added those numbers up, it comes up to 98%. And you say, but John, what I'm going through right now is part of the 2%. What does God tell us? We shouldn't worry. Instead, we need to cast our cares upon Him. But if you're anything like me, what's my first response when something comes up? Oh no, this may not be good. What am I going to do? The Vikings don't know what they're going to do with their quarterback next year. What am I going to do? Probably enjoy the Super Bowl because I don't have to worry about my team being in it, right? We worry about things that aren't worth worrying about or we can't change or we just like to worry and actually they're not nearly as bad as in our mind we make them up to be. And Abraham, a man of God, a man that was known for his faith, determined that God couldn't handle the situation and he needed to come up with his own plan. And if you read through those next verses, you see that, that yeah, Pharaoh started to, to try to impress Sarah and her brother Abraham and, and give them things. And, but all of a sudden, things started to happen to, Sarah, to uh, Pharaoh, excuse me, to Pharaoh's household, and there started to be some, some bad things, and it was like there was judgment. Pharaoh says, you know what, ever since I've started trying to woo this young lady, there's been problems. By the way, she was over 65 years old, but she was beautiful and they lived a little longer back then. 
And so he went to Abraham. It's like, okay, there's something you're not telling me. And here the pagan ruler had to rebuke the man that was supposed to be the man of God. The one that was supposed to live a life that would help others around him to see the incredible awesomeness of the God he served. But instead, Pharaoh said, Okay, Abraham, what, what am I missing here? And Abraham had to confess that he and Sarah were married and he had not told Pharaoh that and so Pharaoh sent Abraham away. What a sad, sad story. But let's think about this and and Warren Wiersbe shares a list of things talking about how Abraham went from faith to faithless here in these verses. And it's a great picture of moving. Abraham moved from, he moved from Canaan to Egypt. He moved from trusting to scheming. He moved from confidence to fear. He moved from others to self. And he moved from bringing blessing to bringing judgment. Let's think about those things. He moved from Canaan to Egypt. He went to Canaan because God said, follow my direction and I will lead you to a place. And God led him to Canaan. But then when the famine came, evidently without seeking God at all, he decided, I need to go to Egypt. He went from trusting God to scheming. He, went to, he had to come up with his own plan. Because obviously God either wasn't interested in taking care of him or God was unable to take care of him. He needed to take care of himself. Now, he wouldn't say that out loud. But his actions demonstrated it. So he had to come up with his own plan. He went from confidence to fear. Confidence, I'm leaving everything I have in order. I'm leaving this, this inheritance that, that I've built up. My family is doing well. I am doing well. And I'm going to leave all of that because God said I need to do it. The confidence that he had to, in God to fear. How are we going to handle the famine? And then what am I going to do if they want to marry my wife and want to get rid of me? And from others to self. If you read those verses that we saw there in verses 10 through 13, we see that it was all about Abraham. And when we allow worry and fear to control our lives, it becomes all about us. What's going to happen to me? What am I going to do now? How am I going to handle this? And Abraham went from others to self. And then from bringing blessing to judgment. You think about it there in verses 2 and 3. God saying, the people, I will, 
I will bless the people who bless you. And you will be a blessing to all the families of the earth. And we'll talk about that in a minute. What a powerful statement. But now, Pharaoh's household is having judgment because of the sins of Abraham. And so he's bringing judgment. Now, we could stop there. We didn't stop at verse 9. Maybe we should have. We could have had a happy ending. But then we had to go on there. But we don't want to have a sad ending. So let's find out the rest of the story. Abraham was still known as a man of faith, even though there was a time and more than one time in his life when he lost or lacked faith. And the amazing thing is, we read this story in chapter 12, verses 10 through 19. Guess what happens again in chapter 20? Abraham is visiting a foreign land, and he says, they're going to think Sarah's beautiful, and they're going to get rid of me. He did the exact same thing. Abraham, think about how it ended this time. Don't do it again. (laughs) Guess what happens in our life? I don't know about you, but there's been a few dumb things that I've done. Dumb is a very important Hebrew term. There's a few dumb things in my life that I repeat. And it's like, John, what are you thinking? I'm going to do the same thing and expect different results. There's a quote about that being foolishness or insanity. But throughout his life, even though there were those times when Abraham failed, we see that Abraham was known as a man of faith and his faith was demonstrated. In fact, Abraham is listed in Hebrews chapter 11 as one of the Old Testament heroes known for their faith. Look what it says in Hebrews 11 verses 8 through 10. It says, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out, of the, out to the place which he, had rece- which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promises in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, and that's his son and grandson. The heirs with him of the same promise, for he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Abraham was willing to sacrifice in order to obey God. He gave up everything to follow God. He left a land and a home where he was established and doing well to go to a place that God said, I will lead you to. He dwelt in tents as a nomad. But why could he do that? He could do that because he knew that God would be faithful and that he could look forward to eternity as we see there in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He waited for what he knew was worth the wait. And he trusted God to supply his need. He could obey because he believed that God would keep his promises. 
And if you're here this morning and you say, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with where God has me and the circumstances I'm in, and, and we question God and we question His faithfulness, we question His power, we question His keeping His promises, we are going to struggle in obedience to Him. But Abraham was able to obey when he said, I know that God is faithful and I can trust Him. He knew that God would keep His promises while God promised that Abraham's descendants would inherit the land, it's very interesting that the only property in the promised land that belonged to Abraham, the only piece of ground that he owned during his entire lifetime, was a burial plot he, he purchased for his wife. But yet he knew that God was faithful. And he knew that his responsibility was to trust and obey. And through all of what took place, God's plan of hope and redemption continued. As God would bless his descendants, and God would bless the world through one of his descendants, God himself taking on human flesh. And it says there at the end of verse 3, and through you, Abraham, all the world will be blessed. How does that take place? Because in God's eternal plan, he would take, and through the line of Abraham and eventually through David, we see that God would bring His Son into the world, that God would send His Son, Jesus Christ, to come and to give us hope and salvation through His sacrifice when we put our faith and trust in Him. Through Him, all the world would be blessed. And although Abraham did not see it in his lifetime, he trusted that God would be faithful. And if you're here this morning and you're going through difficult circumstances and you want to say, God, where are you? Why is this taking place? Whatever is going on in your life, you can be confident that God is a faithful God. He's a way maker. He's a miracle worker. Even when we don't see it, He's working. Even when we don't feel it, He's working. Because He never stops working and so if we've as we've looked through these first chapters of Genesis we have seen man's rejection of God and God's continued faithful love of man and the hope that we can have in Jesus Christ pictured from the beginning from the creation of the world all the way through history God is a faithful God and why could Abraham step out? Because he could trust God. And when did Abraham mess up? When he lost sight of the fact that God is a faithful God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. And Lord, thank you for the foundations that we have, the foundations of our faith, the foundation of salvation through Jesus Christ and the hope that we can have in Him.
Lord, as we examine our lives, may we be challenged with that realization that you are a faithful God and we can trust and follow you. Lord, help us to recognize that no matter our circumstances. And we will give you the praise and the glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.